Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Guys, I've got a really cool show. I don't have just one guest today. I have two, father and son. Two legends with me today. Peter Lemongello Sr. and Peter Lemongello Jr. Say hello to everyone. Hello, thank you for having us. May I call you Jerry? Yes, yes, Peter. How are you? Thank I'm very well and very happy to be here with you. So am I. Hi, hi, Peter Jr. Hello, Miss Jerry. It's a real pleasure to be here. This is great. Um, your bios are absolutely incredible. Um, okay. Yes, I was blown away. Um, I do want to say something to Peter Jr. first, and then we'll, we'll play a song and we'll start the interview with Peter Sr. But... I want to say something to you, Junior, first. I always say I was born too late when I do these shows because I was born in 61 and I always say I should have been wearing a ponytail, a black leather jacket, and a poodle skirt because I love Elvis and doo and oldies. That's my music. How old are you? I'm 21. So you were really born too late. <laughs> how, how did you get into all this briefly? And then we'll talk to your dad. Yeah, it's really a great question. I mean, I really have been into it really ever since I can remember. But uh, just growing up and going to my dad's shows and getting into the music that way. But I just loved all the old, um, all the oldies, the standards and then the 50s and 60s music and uh yeah, my dad took me to a lot of shows. I got to meet a lot of his friends, and uh, you know, from the '50s, '60s era, like yes. Chubby Checker, and yeah. Lloyd Price, the Drifters, and mm. all the groups. And I just fell in love with that kind of music. So beautiful. Thank you for answering that because I was like, bite, I was like, I had to ask you. So I'm gonna talk to Peter now, um, and then we'll play a song, and then we'll start this interview. Okay. 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 So, I, I, may I say something now? Yes. Where you stand on an issue depends on where you sit. <laughs> if I wanted to take the attitude of being born too late, I'd probably be dead now. All righty then. Very happy with when I was born. See. Regardless of what music was popular but that's because you had amazing music no that's because you had the amazing music well it was amazing to me because i fell in love with a certain type of music and and that was in the you know mid to late 50s and then early 60s and and music did change a lot away from what i liked but when you fall in love with a certain type of music it's almost impossible to make a radical change and be truthful about it. I mean, a lot of people have faked it over the years, but if your heart is really in it, and there's no fun in life if you don't love what you're doing, right? you have to do the kind of music you like and hope that it's accepted. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's very difficult. I want to share something with you since you said that, um, and hope that it's accepted. I was asked about five years ago from a young African-American male in Trenton, New Jersey, who was a hip-hop artist, a rapper. And he reached out to me, and this is what he said, Miss Jerry, do you think you could interview me on your show? 
And I said, young man, can you keep it clean? And he said, I promise I'll keep it clean. So I had him live in studio in my, in one of my networks in town. And he was amazing. And he's still in my life. He moved away. He's now down south. He has a child, a wife, and he's amazing. And he goes by six director. And I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. I asked him a question publicly and I said, why do you guys have to use such profanity and degrade women and all this stuff, you know, whatever. Why does it have to be filled with anger? And this is what he said to me. He said, Miss Jerry, we all need to be able to tell our stories and we use music for it. And unfortunately, some of us only have this story to tell. And when he said that, I said, I still won't listen to that music with profanity and all that, but at least now I understand you and I won't judge it. And that brought light to me. So when you just said and having it accepted, you know, I thought of that. And you're absolutely How does that right. Compare with love is a many splendid thing. There you go. Love is a many splendid thing, right? That's beautiful. To me. It's beautiful. Being happily married to my wife, Karen, for 28 years, I could tell you that no matter when you start your life with someone, that person, if she's good enough and from the male viewpoint, can make you believe in everything, even if you've already established a feeling that you don't believe in anything. So I think love should be as pretty as possible certainly musically. I don't understand the denouncing of, uh, of women or police. Right, or... right. I certainly don't understand why cursing right. is so important because yes. there are better adjectives. Yes, no, there are. But again, at least now, like I see, that was their life. So they have to express themselves. And, you know, they. I put that in on a shelf. Like, I don't touch that, you know, with a 10-foot pole. But yeah, it's very that, difficult. Yep, yeah. it is. And I think Karen is in our chat room, your wife. So let me yes, she is. Yeah, so let me give a shout out to your wife Karen because she was amazing. She got me everything I needed so quickly and perfectly. So thank you for that, sweetheart. I want to give a shout out to Mikey the Baron, another Karen. China Ina is in the house. Um Ina Vasquez and Carlos, I'm gonna be interviewing him as well, and Babalu. He is always front and center seat. He's always the first one in there, and uh, he's my sound guy. But I want to share something with you. I got messages and texts, and they've already shared the show. You are in Ireland, you are in Australia, you are in Hong Kong, and you are in the U.K. Anthony from the U.K., Limpy from Australia, Ellie from Ireland, and Shirley from Hong Kong have already shared this, so you are being heard there right now, guys. Okay, isn't that cool? It's so cool, right? Yes. So, all right, you know what we're going to do? Let's play a song first, um, and then we're going to talk to you, Peter, and we'll really get into your resumes, which I think are absolutely ridiculous. All right, so let's play Do I Love You, and then we'll talk about it.
Like the mighty river flows As the meadow gaily plays With the wind on summer days About as deep as deep can go From the canyons to the sky Like a mother as she cares For the baby that she bears Do I love you? Don't you know? a hymn and a Bible full of prayers from a whisper to a roar very much and even more and I will show it with my eyes and share it with the night If in death the good Lord is kind You'll be the last thing on my mind Do I love you? Don't you know by now? Do I love you? Must I show you how? Must I always say Do I love you? Yes, in every way Do I love you? Don't you know by now? Do I love you? Must I show you how? Do I love you? Must I Absolutely beautiful. You want to talk a little Thank bit you. about that song? Yes. Okay. I, uh, I was on the telethon in New York City at the Ed Sullivan Theater in 1973. Paul Anker was one of the hosts. It was the, for the Cerebral Palsy Foundation. And uh, as you know, uh, telethons don't have commercials, but they have station breaks. Okay. And right before I was about to go on, Paul who I had never met before, uh, looked over at me. It was only about 10 feet between us. The Ed Sullivan Theater was very small. And uh, even though I was off camera, it was only about 10 feet between us. And he said, what's coming up? Whoa. Whoa, 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 guys. (laughs) I don't know what that just happened. Okay, I'm sorry. Talk. (laughs) Um, 
you? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So he said, Peter, what's coming up for you? And I said, I'm going to do the Tonight Show Wednesday night. And he said, this was on a Sunday. And he said, wow, I've got a great song for you. So I did my song on the show. And we talked a little bit afterwards because Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet were also hosts. So when it was their turn to host, I got to, you know, uh, introduce myself to Paul and talk a while. Well, he sent the song to my arranger, and whose name is Larry Kirshner, really talented composer yes. and arranger. Yes. He was my music director. And he said... He wrote it in nothing flat. We flew out together to L.A. on Tuesday, and uh, we actually did that song on The Tonight Show that Wednesday, so it was only three days later. And I, mean, I, I fell in love with the song instantly, and I, I thought that some producer would see it and hear it and say, uh, you know, I've got to sign this guy. But music had changed so much that that's not what I was doing, they weren't looking for. Okay. Uh, when I, I had a really good start in my career in 1964 when I was still 17, actually. Uh, 64 and 65, I was really making headway and getting started. But music that was working then, uh, Dean Martin's Everybody Loves Somebody and Jack Jones's uh, Impossible Dream and so many other songs were blended into rock and roll. And so I had a really good chance then. But then I was drafted in 1966, and that took two years out of my life and away from uh, the opportunity to pursue a career. And by then, the British invasion had just dominated all forms of music on the air. And everybody um, who wasn't British was having a tough time. Uh, and, and that's the truth. Uh, from Frankie Avalon to Frank Sinatra. Okay. During that period when the British invasion uh, just dominated, very few people from this country uh, did well. And some of them did very poorly during that time. But anyway, when I came home from Vietnam, I was locked into this kind of music that you just heard and all forms of it. And I was looking for original material like Do I Love You? It took me a long time to find it, because I didn't want to be associated with any other singer. But I found that I was swimming upstream. And the one thing I want to tell everyone who's listening who is a singer and wants to be, you've got to find a way to win. There's, there's room for everybody, and there's room for all kinds of music to be appreciated. Uh, I know you mentioned that you love Elvis Presley. I think he was one of the best that ever lived. Honey, honey. I don't know if he... I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, honey, honey. <laughs> I, I don't know if he knew it. I don't know if he was ever um, appreciated. Uh, he was so good looking. And, you know, he made movies and all women went crazy over him all the time. So I don't know if he was actually appreciated vocally like he should have been. Although uh, I... I I think that some of the things he did on record are absolutely remarkable. And, uh, you know, I, I think that um, people who are starting out today might think that they have to conform with what's going on today. And that's not always the case. But again, you have to find a way to win. And my Love 76 story and the song Do I Love You are part of that. I kept that song in my heart and 
in my folder for three years before I was able to put it on an album and then go on TV with it and sell over a million records. But it was because of being rejected that motivated me to start to think about how to circumvent the industry and go directly to the public because the people in the industry, I can't tell you what they, uh, how they differed from when I first started out, they were gray at the temples and had suits and ties on. By the time I was trying to get a recording contract, they had t-shirts with curses on the front of them. Oh. And, and you know, long hair and they were either high or they should have been by the way they were talking, but they were not talent. They were just market oriented. If anything sold, they loved it. And they didn't really care about good, bad, or indifferent. They just wanted this. So I had a very difficult time. I did sign with Epic Records in 1973. Okay. And they did not push me at all. And I don't know why that happens. Everybody who fails says they didn't push me, but they really didn't. They didn't try to get the airplay that they've done on other songs. The, the uh, head of A&R really, uh, really liked me, but the promotion side of Epic Records, which is a subsidiary of Columbia Records, could have done a lot and didn't do anything. So after you get dropped from a, a label, it's next to impossible to ever get a label to sign you again, especially if you're not in, in tune with what they consider the trend at that time. Gotcha. So I started wonder how I could go directly to the public. At that point, I just wanted to find out if people would accept me and like me. I really didn't care if I had a long career, a short career, or no career. I just wanted to know if put in front of the public, what kind of reaction I'd get. Because I always got a really good reaction working live. Gotcha. And I, and I got a terrific reaction on television shows. But nobody ever followed up. You know, uh, who was that guy? Freddie Prinze. He went on The Tonight Show once. He ended up with a sitcom. Huh. Because whoever, whatever producer saw him on The Tonight Show said, wow, well, we're really ready for a Puerto Rican lead in a sitcom. So... He got the, he got the show right away. I did I did some songs on the Tonight Show that really and if I were if I hate to use this expression but if I were born twenty years earlier it would have made me a star right there. But wow. you know when you said born too late. Right. Uh, by the time I did it, it went unappreciated. So I started to plan to get myself famous by getting directly to the public would you like to hear how i did it well i do but you yes but you mentioned about your one million albums on tv we want to talk about that too because you were the first artist to do that yes and the first one to think about doing it all right talk about I that mean, and then your like story on TV yes. Since I was a kid. yes they were always from stars who were technically by that time has-beens okay and you know they would they would put uh you know, record collections on, um, but only with people who had had major hit records decades before. I thought I could go on TV and break myself by the fact that repetition would be my, in my favor. And here's what I mean by that. I knew if I went on TV a couple of times a week, I would fail. But if I could go on TV a hundred times a week, I believe that in very short order, 
people would start to relate me to my own uh, my own commercials. And before you know it, I could get a response, and I did, because they didn't consider me unknown anymore. They had seen me so many times on TV. And what I did was not like any other record commercial. I didn't have a crawl in front of my face with song titles because I was singing song titles they wouldn't know. And I certainly didn't want to take any time away from my opportunity to be on TV with uh, words in front of my face or song titles in front of my face. So it became the forerunner for an infomercial because it was a music video. And people did react to it, thank God. And I had the success I wanted. And we'll get back to that later. Okay. But yes. Beautiful. Yes. I okay. was given the chance to do it. And it was the most gratifying thing I could tell you because uh, there was a guy named Lee Solomon who was the president of uh, the William Morris Agency. Nothing bigger than his position or the William Morris Agency. And I went to lunch with he and Jackie Mason one day because I was friends with Jackie Mason. And, and I told and I was, I had sworn I would never tell anybody what I was doing because if I accomplish getting on the air and I have to tell you about it, then it's not working. So I wasn't going to tell anyone just to see if it actually could work. I told them, and I'm, I'm sorry I did that. I told them what I was planning to do, and Lee Solomon's reply was, you're nuts. You can't sell an unknown on TV. And you're certainly not going to sell any records by an unknown. Well, a year later, when 60 Minutes did an expose on me, they interviewed Lee Solomon. You know what he said? He said, well, how can you not become a star if you're on TV 100 times a week? So, the expression, first they afford you, and then they say they taught you. I was up against that all my life. Nobody in show business knows what they're doing. They all think something will work, but they'll never tell you that, because if it fails, then they have the liability right. of being wrong. All right, I understand. So, when they, say, when they even ask, they say, well, what do you think? And when it hits, they're shocked. And that's because... There's no way to describe show business. What um, I think Elvis was great. There were people that think he was terrible, and I, I don't understand that at all. There were people that think Frank Sinatra was nothing, and people that idolized him till he died, right. well, actually afterward. Right, right. Uh, you know, um, right. I don't think Dean Martin ever got the credit he deserved. Right. I think he was better than all of them at everything he did. It's amazing. And he certainly was a superstar, but... You know, nobody ever, they, they always talk Sinatra and Elvis. They never mentioned Dean Martin, and I'm shocked at that. Wow. But that's businesses, and that's why I tried to motivate myself to find a way to win and not worry about what anybody thought until I went on the air. Then I was very worried about what people thought. Hmm. All right. I'm done. Okay, so now, all right, there you go. Let's play in my blood. Here we go, guys. It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood Laying on the bathroom floor Feeling nothing I'm overwhelmed and insecure Give me something I could say to ease my mind Just have a drink and you'll feel better 
Just take her home and you'll feel better Keep telling me that it gets better Does it ever Help me It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up No medicine is strong enough Someone help me I'm crawling in my skin Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't Again, feeling anxious, afraid to be alone again. I hate this. Trying to find a way to chill. Can't breathe. Is there somebody who can help me? It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up. No medicine is strong enough. Someone help me. It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood It isn't in my blood Oh, it isn't in my blood I need somebody Absolutely beautiful. That was Peter Jr. Let's talk about that young man. Okay. What motivated you with that song? Because your mom typed some cool stuff in the chat room. Yeah, well, that's that song is actually very different from most of the stuff I do because that's a recent song. Yep. And uh, obviously my true love is a lot of the songs of the 40s, 50s, 60s. But uh, I did, I have an album coming out in the next couple weeks actually I just finished and I wanted to include a couple songs that were more recent because I didn't want to be um, I, I would say dated you know I don't want people just to say oh he only sings old songs that's all he can do but I said well you know I, I definitely want to prove that I can I'm versatile and I can sing more than just old songs even though that's my true love the older music okay 
So that's absolutely beautiful. Um, I mean, I think your voice can probably sing anything. Thank you. You know, absolutely. Um, so, again, you know, you're young, but you're so talented. And, I mean, you have your dad that you're following in his footsteps. So I think you've got it yeah. all in one package. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So let's play another one of your songs. Um, okay, I know which one I would like to play. And it's going to be Twisting the Night Away, okay? And then we'll talk okay. about this because it's one of my faves. Here we go, guys. Okay. Let me tell you about a place Somewhere off the New York way Where the people are so gay Twisting the night away Here they have a lot of fun Putting trouble on the run Man, you find the old and young Twisting the night away They're twisting, twisting Everybody's feeling great They're twisting, twisting They're twisting the night away share a little chubby checker story with you guys because your mom just typed something in there that you got on stage and twisted with chubby checker yeah so when i was in my 20s in the trenton area in in heights town chubby checker did a benefit here in my town and it was a small club and i was only in my 20s and he came off the stage i had my back to the stage and my my friends go turn around turn around he has his two bodyguards with him, on one on each side, and he kisses my lips real quick, picks me up, and brings me up on stage with him, and we twisted. 
Well, nobody had cameras and all that nonsense back then. But two years ago, um, I got to go backstage and give him a hug and I got to go on stage with him again. So that was really cool for me. So tell me your story with the song Twisted. Well, uh, yeah, Chubby's a good friend of mine. My dad knows him for a long time, I think. How many years? Uh, more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> so I got to meet Chubby, you know, at a young age. And um, we, I guess a few years ago, we went to uh, see his show with Martha Reeves and the Vandellas and Mary Wilson from mm. the Supremes, uh, who we lost. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Chubby called me up on stage and, and uh, we did the twist together, and that's and tore the house down. It was of course. It was, I bet and you it did. Was, and I brought my my grandmother to the show, and it was really incredible for her because she had seen Chubby back in you know the old days at the Brooklyn Paramount when the twist had just come out. Right. So all these years later, she got to come, and we went. I took her backstage, and we were on his tour bus, and she just said, "Who would have thought after all these years?" You know, she saw him then, and to be sitting you know, right across from him on his bus all these years later. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me just a little bit about, um, all right, so I know your love for oldies and music and all that, but is there one particular artist, or is that too hard to answer, that you really love? Wow. I know. There's a lot of artists that I love, but... I would have to say, out of my, out of my actual influences, I have, I have like six influences. Okay. I would say, Elvis. Yes. Yes. Um, Jackie Wilson. Yes. Absolutely love Jackie Wilson. Yes. Sam Cooke, of course. Yes. You just start twisting the night away. Love Sam Cooke. Um, now somebody a little different outside of that realm. Mario Lanza. I'm uh, not familiar with him. Of course. But I love Mario Lanza. I just thought he was one of the greatest singers. Then I loved, going back a little further, Cab Calloway. <gasps> okay. Was, yeah. And I always loved, believe it or not, Al Jolson. Okay. You know, obviously, old time, but he was basically, you know, George Burns wrote in his, uh, in his book that Al Jolson was the world's greatest entertainer. And That's cool. He really was the first one, this is back in the days of vaudeville, but he was the first entertainer to really, you know, put on a show and, and entertain the audiences. He used to drop his knees and the audience would go crazy. And uh, Jackie Wilson idolized Al Jolson. Yes. That's where he got the whole knee drop from. He took that from Jolson. That's so cool. And, you know, Bobby Wilson, he's a friend of mine, and I've got to interview him several times, and I'm hoping to meet him next month. I mean, just amazing music, the best but everyone that you uh, mentioned, so, yeah, we, yep. Bobby, come on. Oh, good. He's a great guy. Yep. Every everyone you mentioned, I loved. I mean, how do you not? You know, <laughs> beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So now we're gonna get Dad back on, or Peter Senior, and I'm gonna play. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna play. That's what I get. Here we go, guys.
song thank you that song that's what i get was written by teddy randazzo the incomparable teddy randazzo i might add who wrote going out of my head uh hurt so bad and pretty blue eyes for steve lawrence beautiful. so many great songs beautiful i was reluctant to put this on the uh, love 76 album and then i did it but the reason that I was reluctant is because it's almost impossible when a, strong, a song is structured that way not to almost sound like you're doing an Elvis impression. Oh, I see. It was you know, done that, beautiful. That song is structured in such a way that, uh, like I said, it's it's hard to escape it. Okay. Uh, and yet everybody seemed to like it, so I'm thrilled beautiful. that they like it. The, it was beautiful. By the way. Do I Love You was written by Paul Anka. I think I mentioned he gave it yep. to me. Very cool. Beautiful. So I have a couple questions for you. So, uh, I mean, again, your resume is really cool. I mean, you were in a lot of infomercials. You were on MTV. Um, you were named Bachelor of the Month for Cosmopolitan Magazine. You've done so much. 25 Tonight Show appearances. Um, featured in every major publication in the U.S. and Europe. Mood rock music in the 1970s. And, and it's endless. Great American Songbook. I mean, tell us a little bit about all this great stuff. Well, um, it was born out of the success that we had on television with the Love 76 commercial. Okay. Um, instantly... And this is a, an item I have to bring up. When, when a Jewish boy makes good, they all say he's a smart boy. <laughs> when an Italian makes good, everybody says the mafia backed him. And it's very, very um, painful to, uh, to work for years to put something together and have it work and have everybody say or at least behind your back say that you uh, are the mafia's latest candidate for stardom um i had to defend that so many times i was uh, the the news media went crazy over what i did 
and wanted to cover it both in publications and on TV. Um, I was interviewed by everybody from Cleveland Amory to uh, uh, Andy Warhol did a story on me. And okay. I, I, I can tell you that um, the popularity happened so rapidly. Gotcha. That I don't, I don't really know if I, if I even absorbed it then like I can now. Because, like you say, every publication, all the TV shows opened up for me. Uh, right. Dinah Shore, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin, wow. and all of the time. And, uh, and, and I would say to myself, no, I auditioned for uh, The Tonight Show 15 times, and I didn't get it. And then when I finally got it, because I was playing the Rainbow Grill in, in the NBC building on the 65th floor, a really classy nightclub restaurant at the time. And tonight show emulated from the sixth floor in the NBC building. So I called Fred the Quarter, and in those days you could do things like that. And I said, please, just come have dinner with you and your wife, with you, whoever, whoever you want to bring, on me, and watch my show. You never take me in auditions with just a piano player. Uh, why don't you just do this for me? And if you don't like me, I'll never bother you again. Sure enough, he came to the show one night. I was there for two weeks. And in my third song, he gave me the thumb up, thumbs up sign. All right. And, and the next day I heard I was going to be on The Tonight Show two days later. Uh, and I remember saying to myself, geez, I'm no better than I was when I auditioned. Why now? But see, um, people have to see it with their own eyes. Okay. You can't tell somebody you're good. You can't tell somebody uh, you can connect with an audience. You can't you can't verbalize why they should accept you. You have to show them. Right. And that's that's the same way with the public. And that's uh, one of the reasons along the way that I uh, created the Love Seventy Six campaign. And again, I'm going to reiterate what I said in the beginning. You have to find a way to win. You cannot wait for it to come to you because you could spend your whole life in it. It may never come to you. I agree. And I think all of us want to know if we're going to be accepted. I think that's um, the kind of uh, curiosity that anybody who wants to be accepted has. Would the public really accept me? And uh, and I was that's that was my motivation. A lot of people say, "Well, um, was that your real motivation?" I said, "Well." You know, I, I struggled for eight years, and then I hit all at once, and I went from not being able to get work to be able uh, to being able to pack Madison Square Garden, Lincoln Center, and and uh, the Westbury Music Fair, and, and uh, Carnegie Hall in hours. That's cool. It could sold out in hours. So I was more shocked. I was appreciative, but I was more shocked than anybody. That's pretty cool. I remember cool. saying to the people that placed my TV ads, once I had it all in place, I said to them, okay, starting January 15th, do you think people are going to recognize me as a result of this? And she said, it was a female, she said, uh, you won't be able to walk the streets. And it ended up being that way. That's too and, cool. Uh, I mean, I remember once at 2 a.m. I went to a, a, what was that called? Pathmark shopping uh, supermarket. Okay. I caused the whole staff and everybody in the store to panic. And, and I was just minding my own business. I was single. I was, <laughs> and uh, 
I was shopping for myself, and 2 o'clock in the morning seemed like a good, a good time to try it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the same thing with Bachelor of the Month and Cosmopolitan. I got 10,000 letters a week. That's pretty cool. Come on, man. Whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. I hate to use, hate to use the expression that uh, Beaver Cleaver used, but who would have thunk? That's great. No, that's very cool. And it is to be accepted after you've been passed over so many times, you know. Beautiful. So, Absolutely beautiful. That's my story. And we're sticking to it. So now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so now let's play Born to Be in Love with You. Here we go. This is beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Oh, I could have been. Who pulls the strings With just one hand If I had planned it that way Or I might have been A circus clown Make people laugh When they are down A different man And what I am today But I was born To be in love with you Baby You've made My every dream come true With only you I have everything Here in my hands And time stands still At my command I am a king Because you bring love to me You came in my life Just like a song And made it right When it was wrong In darkest night Your light is all I see Yes, I was born To be
show, my fellow calls on Remember Then Radio. So we've got Kenny Kojak in the chat room for you guys here today. His show is on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. My fellow DJ, love you. Who loves you, baby? So that song is so beautiful. Let's talk about that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. That was written again by Teddy Randazzo. And um, and he did the arrangement, and he played piano on that song. He was a, a magnificent uh, artist. And uh, my God, uh, I think the word musician doesn't really cover it all. Okay. But anyway, uh, I understand my son Peter just informed me that Arthur Prysock who I'm really a big fan of, and Larry Chance of the Earls. Yes. Both covered that. So yes. Very flattered. Beautiful, right? That they did that, yeah. I'm very, I, I wasn't aware of it, but I'm very flattered. It's amazing. I mean, just think about the impact, right? Well, it's amazing when I speak to famous people that I had never met, and they know me, and I, and I go, you know me? You know uh, it's it's really a, a strange thing, the medium of TV and records, because you get to people you don't realize you're getting to. Okay. And sometimes they're people you idolize. And you just, I mean, I, I never forget when Brenda Lee knew who I was. I, I was shocked because I was a big fan of hers when I was seven, eight, nine. And she... That's amazing. Uh, is the most delightful lady. <laughs> uh, very unassuming and... and Totally unaware of how famous she is. Amazing. Um, <laughs> no, she's really a doll. Uh, when she knew me, and Brooke Benton knew me, and Chubby Checker knew me, and uh, so many others. I'm not going to name drop all over the place. Amazing. But it's flattering. It really is. Um, I, I can tell you that uh, there are things about our business that once you're accepted is the most heartwarming thing in the world because you have to cross a line to be accepted. And, and once you do, you're, you're technically in the club. And it's not just the fans who uh, became aware of you and, and devoted their their, uh, their loyalty to you. It's, it's people that you never expected to get to. And that part, I think, is amazing. And I'm you know, very flattered by all of it, and I want my son to have it. Yes. And we're working right now on a plan... For him to innovate, uh, not not what I did exactly, but he's going to innovate something with my help because I'm now a professional father. You know, I, I'm, I'm retired from active show business, but I've never been busier in my life. Every waking minute I have is devoted to trying to help him. Okay. And uh, soon I think we're going to find a way for him to break the ice too. Well, first of all, I mean, thank you for your service, military, and, you know, what you're doing for your son is incredible, so I just wanted to say that as, a, mo as a mom myself, you know, Italian moms, you know how we are, um, but I, I want to touch base on something one more time with you, okay, because this just really is blowing my mind, okay, so it was your album, Love 76 Mood Rock, that was the album with the million seller, correct? Yes. Okay. And I read in your uh, bio that it led to being the only singer ever to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. I didn't realize you were the only one to be on the front page of that as well. 
absolutely shocking. That's so cool. I thought you were just another one on there. That is really cool. I'm the only one that ever appeared on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And here's how it happened. Okay. Uh, like I said, everybody interviewed me, from Andy Warhol to uh, Cleveland Amory. Everybody. And all of a sudden, I get a... Uh, uh, I hired a press agent when we went on TV because somebody had to coordinate publicity. So I was unaware of how to do it. So I hired this press agent, and he did a very good job. And he calls me, and he says, we got a break. The Wall Street Journal wants to uh, uh, interview you. And I said, Wall Street Journal? Well, see, their attitude was I had gone public to do what I did. I absolutely formed a corporation, sold shares in myself, went through all of the legal hoops of um, filing a, a private placement memorandum and all of the things that go with uh, raising money privately but to the public, meaning uh, it wasn't underwritten by a, a Merrill Lynch or any underwriting company. Gotcha. And they, would, they just marveled at the fact that in order for me to finance this idea I had, I actually went public to do it. So they were interested in the marketing aspect, but more importantly, the way I went about financing it and the, uh, the business angle of that. So when I did the interview, I had no idea where, where, where it would appear. And, and then all of a sudden, I, they did a photograph of No, not a photograph. <laughs> artist rendering of me. And I was right on the front page. And uh, I learned later, I wasn't, I wasn't as uh, shocked at that happening uh, because at that time, so much was happening, I, I didn't think I was shocked by anything anymore. But my press agent said, do you realize... That's never happened before. <laughs> on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. That's it's cool. Just never it didn't happen for Sinatra or anybody. That's just cool, okay? <laughs> it didn't even happen for the Beatles. Oh, they I, made it to no way. I had to bring that you know, up they, again because they made records in the studio yeah. and the record company put it out and they happened to hit and, and that was the beginning of their career. So what I did was uh, you know Necessity is the mother of invention. I was being rejected at the time that I launched this. And so uh, it was anything but conventional. And that's why it, it ended up uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that because that blew my mind. Okay? I just had to tell you that. So. Well, nowadays it blows mine too. <laughs> so now let's get Peter Jr. Peter, okay. how are you? Yes. So, good, how are you? I'm good, sweetheart. So I, we're going to talk to you a little bit as well. I'm going to play one of your songs. I'm going to play Don't You Know, and then we'll talk about yes, that. That's actually the uh, title song on my new album. Okay, beautiful. All right, let's play it, and then we'll talk all about that. So cool. Hold okay. on. Here we go. Come my way 
Jello Jr., everyone. Wow. Tell us about this new album, the song, Your Voice is Incredible. Thank you. Yeah, well, that song, like I said, is the title song of my new album. And actually, it originates from uh, the Italian opera, Puccini's La Boheme. And uh, actually, when I, when I do it live, I put a little of the uh, Italian in it. Wow. Your voice is very beautiful, incredible. I mean... To me, okay. I mean, you're not so so young, but to have that kind of a strong voice, that's very beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Wow, very very beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about your biography. Um, some really cool stuff here. So you were you're a singer and a dancer and a performer, and right. you were the uh, no. This is your wait. What am I doing? Oh, this is yours. Okay. So now. Let me ask you something. American Idol, you went how many years ago? Uh, I was on three years ago. Okay. And because I, I watched it and you were very good. Now you're going to go back. Yes, I'm planning on it. Okay, good. Um, so when you walk in the door, you're going to say to them, I'm back to win. Got it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Um, so let's talk about some stuff that I'm reading here about you because your music, doo-wop generations for PBS TV. Um, talk about all yes. this, what you've done, and your album. I want to hear about the album as well. Okay. Well, um, when I, was, I was on PBS uh, three years ago, and that was my first television appearance. I was singing lead with the Crest. Okay. Um, who had a lot of hits back in the 50s and early 60s, um, like uh, 16 Candles, Step by Step, mm -hmm. Trouble in Paradise. So I was singing with the last surviving original member, J.T. Carter. Mm. And we, uh, you know, I had, I had known T.J. Lubinsky pretty well. And, you know, we had kept in touch. And he told me he was getting ready to do another show. So, and he told me that he was planning to put some young new talent with the originals and i was already singing with with the crest so i told him about the uh idea i said well you know it's funny you mentioned that i said because we kind of have that already i said we have the last original member of the crest and i was uh, 18 at the time uh i just turned 18 so he said well i love the idea he says uh send me a video and we sent it he said you know you're going to be on and uh we filmed it december of 2017 in Asbury Park, New Jersey, at the uh, Paramount Theater, and it was uh, it was an incredible two days because there were so many great uh, legends that came. Uh, Jane the Americans were there, and uh, the, the Duprees, my good buddy Charlie Thomas and the Drifters. Little Anthony was one of the hosts. Uh, Bowser was one of the hosts from Shanana. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, it was great to see a lot of people I already knew and I was friends with, so it was just so much fun being with everybody. And, uh, of course, it was such an honor to be featured on uh, a television special like that. 
So, all right, I'm going to take you back a little bit to when you were younger. Um, so, by the time you were 11, you were singing music in, in doo-wop groups, correct? Yes. Okay. When you were in... I actually... Go ahead. First yep. time I... I was, I was three years old when I started, and, and I, uh, my dad was doing a show and in, in Jersey, and I was in the, towards the back of the, the theater with my mom, and somehow I guess I got away from her, and he started doing New York, New York, and I ran towards the stage, <laughs> and my dad saw me, he picked me up, and we started singing New York, New York together. That's beautiful. So and that was the... Wow. So I have a couple silly questions for you, okay? So okay. when you were younger and in school, did you like walk through the halls singing all the time? Did your friends love it? Did they not love it? Like, how was school for you? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't think I... I didn't really sing in the, uh, in the halls, um, but definitely my style, um, you know, the way I, I dressed, the way I did my hair, you know, the Tony Curtis style, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I was definitely uh, a little different than the people I was in school with. I would say when I was really young, you know, some of my uh, friends in school thought it was, it was cool. As we got a little older into, um, like junior high and everything, that's when I guess the other kids started really getting into their music and I was still into my music. So, you know, that's when we really started having a little less in common. Oh, you know what's so funny? You described that perfectly, but in my mind, I would have thought it was the opposite. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. You know, I remember when I was in high school in, uh, in uh, music class, and everybody had to sing a song. I did uh, Why Do Fools Fall in Love by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And, uh, you know, the, the class went crazy for that. Wow. Okay. I'm glad you uh, explained that to me. I have a better perspective on that now. Um, so Elvis, so I'm going to put you on the spot and, and you can say no to me, but would you do something, just a one or two liner of an Elvis song acapella for me? <laughs> okay. Um, anything. Do you have any, uh, no, anything favorites? I, there, I have categories, so any song is fine. Okay. I'll do one. I actually do a, a couple of Elvis songs in my show, so okay. I'll, I'll do lines. You know I can be found Sitting home all alone If you can come around At least please telephone Don't be cruel Too hard, that's true So listen, right here on the Jerry Petito Show Remember Then Radio Peter Lemangelo Jr. doing some Elvis for us all That was beautiful <laughs> Thank you That was absolutely beautiful So um, I'm still intrigued with you, you know, you doing Elvis and all that and loving him since you were young as well. Um, so now let's play Can't Help Myself. Here we go, guys. Okay. Yes.
absolutely beautiful. So let's talk about that, what it means to you. Wow. Well, this song has a lot of history for me personally because um, my parents used to sing that to me when I was a baby in the crib. And, uh, but they used to change the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) My wife had a a, a bear that was uh, a musical, and when you press the button, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch played. Okay. Peter would stand and hold, stand up in his crib and hold on to the, you know, the railing, and we would sing Petey Pie Honey Bunch, and he would giggle and laugh, and now think of this, 20 years later, he's on stage at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City, 3,000 people in the audience, and he's singing Sugar Pie Honey Bunch with the four tops. You, you want to hear about two parents who were crying, they were so incredibly amazing. delighted. Yes, My amazing. Yes, amazing. 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 Thank you for sharing that. So, so I wound up, that, that's one of the, I actually did three songs on American Idol, but they just showed the one, uh, and that was the song they showed. And after that, um, I was friends with the, the Four Tops, so naturally they, they watched it and they called me, they wanted to tour bus at the time, and they watched it, and they said, man, you know, you were great, and uh, listen, we're going to be coming down to Florida, you have to, when you come to the show, you have to come up on stage and sing that with us. Beautiful. You know, I have a little Four top story as well. I used to hang out with them back in the 80s. I was dating a guy named Jerry, actually, who didn't tell me he was friends with them. And he brought me to wow. my, yeah, he brought me to my first Four Tops concert. And when it was over, he grabbed my hand and said, come on, let's go. And as we're walking, I thought out, he butts in front of this entire crowd of people and waiting to see if they would come out of the back. And he goes up to the guard and he says, tell him Jerry Alt is here. And the guard comes out and says, let's go and brings me back there. And they like were just hugging them and going crazy. So I got to know them and we got to hang out with them at all their shows. So that was beautiful for me. Yeah, wow. It was beautiful. So tell us who the only... And and actually, I'm going to be opening for the Four Tops on uh, a few shows. Uh, Unfortunately, they were rescheduled because we were supposed to do it last April. Okay. Four dates with them and uh, also with Mary Wilson. But uh, we're rescheduling them. I'll be December, Sunday, December 12th. I'll be at the Sunrise Theater in Fort Pierce, opening for the Four Tops. And then it looks like in April we'll be doing a couple more dates in Florida with uh, myself, the Four Tops, and the Temptations. That's incredible. Um, The last surviving member, tell us who that is of the Four Tops. Yeah, Duke is the last surviving original member, and he's been with the group for... Wow, about 66 or 67 years. Okay. He he may not remember me. Um, let him know, Jerry and Jerry, that the female Jerry wants I to give him, give him a hug. One of the best memories uh, out of anybody I know. And uh, okay. even at his age, he's going to be 86 in December. But, okay. boy, he seems to remember everything from yep. from even when they got started 60-something years ago. Well, his, his buddy Jerry, back in the day, he used to bring his girlfriend Jerry. Okay? Give him a hug for me. Oh. Beautiful. So now let's play Just My Imagination. This is awesome, too. Here we go.
Typing so much soul, and and she's right. You have so much soul in you, young man. That was a beautiful song. Oh, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about what that song means to you. Well, it's one of my favorite Temptation songs. Uh, of course, the the late great Eddie Kendrick sang that song, and uh, fortunately, I never got to meet him. All, with the exception of Otis Williams, who's the last surviving member, all the other temps. Uh, unfortunately, it passed before I was born. Oh. Yes, I you know I always wish I could have met David Ruffin or Eddie Kendrick, but um, yeah, my my mom says she thinks I'm reincarnated. That was born <laughs> in 1945. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to give you the opportunity in case we missed anything that's important to you that you wanted to share about what anything incredible that's happened to you anything up and coming and how people can get in touch with you the floor is yours yes well i actually have a show coming up this saturday night down here in uh, south florida in sunrise it's a place called sunrise lakes phase four and uh it's a beautifully new renovated theater and i'll be performing there with my new band uh, which is called bobby nathan's uh, famous hot dog band. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's so we have a yeah, very exciting show, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody Saturday night. Very cool. And one of the highlights of the show is I'll be doing one of my uh, my dad's song, Do I Love You, mm. which is a song he sold over a million copies. Oh. And uh, he's going to come out and uh, join me on it. That's going to be beautiful. That's epic. Yes. And uh, people can reach me. They can go to my website, which is com, And they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on uh, Instagram. And they can find me on Twitter. Absolutely beautiful. So um, why don't you give a shout-out to all your fans listening? Yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for the support and, uh, and the love you've shown me. And looking forward to getting back touring now that things are opening up a little bit. Hopefully we'll be, I'll be going back up to New York and Jersey and that area maybe later this year. Beautiful. Keep me posted about that, okay? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I want to thank you for thank you. joining your dad. I want to I want to say your voice is incredible. It was an honor interviewing you. you, and um, you made my day, young man. Thank you so much. Well, you made mine too. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, sweetheart. So now, Peter Senior, let's get you back. Yes. So I want to shout out to my brother Mike. Yep. Who was the U.S. Open champion on the PBA tour? He's in the Hall of Fame, and he was the first star in our family. Wow. The most modest guy you ever met. Wow. Nothing like me. <laughs> that was cute. That was cute. Thank you. I want to thank you for this opportunity and the exposure that you're giving Peter Jr. and for being so good to him. And uh, and I really hope that we get to meet each other soon. Yes. Um, I would enjoy that much. I feel the same way. And again, keep me posted with when you're going to be in the tri-state area. Um, I will do everything will. in my power to make sure that happens. But before I play Can't Get You Off My Mind, I, we're going to talk about this song because we'll close with it. So I'll have you tell us a little bit about it. But is there anything we missed that you'd like to share or say or that maybe we forgot to talk about? Well, this was recorded uh, as you know, in the height of the um, uh, time when um, disco was raging when people actually danced with each other mm. again. But it was a very rangy song. It, the most rangy song, uh, you know, from high to low that I've ever recorded. And and this is a, an incredible part. It has two bridges, two distinctly different bridges uh, between the choruses. But the reason I'm so thrilled with the song is because it's my wife's, my wife Karen's favorite song. Okay. And it was long before we got married. So um, I'm flattered about that. But I have to tell you that I think that this this particular song is the closest I've ever come to, you know, real rock and roll. Amazing. Um, all right, you know what we're going to do? I was going to close playing it, but I'm going to play it because I'm sure I'm going to want to comment on it. Okay, so okay. W let's play it and then we'll we'll say our last final words. Okay, thank you. Here we go.
Absolutely beautiful, and you have a standing ovation in chat. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. I must, uh, I must say that I have been interviewed by everyone from William B. Williams to Cousin Brucie, and uh, you're as good as it gets, too. You know, thank you. You're going to make me have a tear in my eye. Today, today is the fourth anniversary of my dad's passing, and I was a little sad today, and Thank you for saying that to me. My dad's up in heaven smiling down at you now. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So, okay. I want to thank everyone out there listening. I want to thank RTR for this incredible platform because without Remember Them Radio, guys, we wouldn't be doing this right now. And I want to thank Stevie and Angel, the owners. I want to thank all my listeners, everyone in chat. And, of course, I want to thank... Karen, okay, the wife of Peter and the mom of Peter Jr. for helping me with everything we needed to get the songs and and she's just amazing and she's in our chat room and you're a beautiful lady and thank you for today and last but not least, I'm going to put you guys together because Peter Sr. and Peter Jr., thank you both for such a great, incredible interview, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, awesome. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye.